Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you've chosen to press play on this podcast today. My name is Johnny and I'm part of the teaching team here at the Forge. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope that today's talk encourages you. Road trips can be fun. Now, I first discovered that when I was 18 years old and I just passed my driving test and bought my first car, a maroon Mini. (laughs) And one of my best friends, John Land, and I headed off to visit Yorkshire, Newcastle, the Lake District and Scotland. And it was such an adventure. We drove up to Yorkshire to start with and we got very low on fuel. And at one point we were driving on empty, desperately trying to find a petrol station to fill up. And as we got to the brow of a hill, we literally ran out of petrol and we freewheeled down the other side into a garage at the bottom. Uh, As we were heading on the A68, we encountered the seven hills. They were the best thing ever. The hills were so steep that when you got to the top, it dropped down again so quickly that you couldn't initially see the road in front of you. In fact, it was so good we turned around and did it twice more, getting faster each time so that the Mini almost took off at the top of each hill. We stayed in Newcastle and decided to climb the highest mountain in the country, Scarfell Pike, cause we could. So we drove across the country to the Lake District, called in at an information place to get details of the trail. And they asked us if we had waterproofs. Uh, No. Uh, Climbing boots? No. Any climbing gear? No. So they made it very clear that we were not to climb Scarfell in just our jeans and our trainers. So we climbed Skidore instead before heading back to Newcastle that night. Honestly, there are so many stories from that road trip and it was such a fun time. Why? Well, partly because of the places that we visited, but mainly because who I was traveling with. You know, John's been a friend from when I was about 10 years old and we still meet up regularly for lattes and catch-ups. You see, a road trip is an adventure because of where you go and who you travel with. This series, we're looking at five road trips that Jesus took and what happened on those journeys. And those road trips for Jesus was so much about where he was traveling to. I'm going to come on to that in a minute. But also for those on the journey with him, it was all about who they were traveling with. And traveling with Jesus was certainly an adventure. There were miracles and healings and radical teaching. He even stood up to the religious leaders of the day who were so pious and judgmental and exclusive. Whereas Jesus, well, he was incredibly compassionate and inclusive. Yep, a a road trip with Jesus was always full of adventure. So today's road trip features Jesus on his way to Jerusalem. Now, he told his disciples why he was going and what would happen, that he'd be rejected by his own people, killed by the Romans and then raised to life again by God. And this road trip was going to be his final one before he died. And Luke records his focus and determination as the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven. And Luke links Jesus' death, resurrection and ascension all into one here. Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. 
And the disciples didn't get it because uh, they were traveling with him along with many others who were just caught up with the hype of what Jesus could do. And they wanted to be part of it. And to be honest, I don't blame them. And so Luke records the following three conversations, which, to be honest, I think sounds pretty harsh. But I want to unpack a bit this morning just to help us to understand what it means to follow Jesus. Now, if you've been part of the forge or following us over the past while, you'll hopefully have picked up that our mission or our purpose, the reason why we exist, is in helping people find and follow Jesus. This is based on the fact that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, hence helping people to find or discover Jesus. But he also called people to follow him. And here, Jesus talks about the cost involved in following him. And I think it's really important to hear this because I have the tendency to highlight all the benefits of following Jesus, which there are so many. So Luke writes, as they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place even to lay his head. Uh, <laughs> what a strange and kind of rude response to a very positive comment made by someone on this road trip. You'd have thought Jesus would be all over this, saying how pleased he was and how excited he was at the prospect of more people joining him on his mission. It's almost like he's trying to put him off or challenging his commitment. And maybe he was because of what he knew lay ahead. You see, Jesus wanted to make it clear that to follow him wasn't easy, that it came at a cost. He wasn't complaining about not having his own home. He was making it clear that to follow would come at a cost, that this was not a pleasure cruise. And basically, Jesus was saying, if you come and follow me, are you prepared to give up your security, take on roles lower than what you've been used to, even lower your standard of living? Are you prepared to give up what you think brings security in order to follow me? I remember several years ago, Alex Gant becoming a Christian and then getting his older brother, Russell, to do Alpha. Now, Russell was an agnostic who didn't really give God a thought. But during the Alpha course, he made a commitment to follow Jesus, to give his life over to God and for God to lead. It was such a powerful moment. I remember it well. And at the time, Russell worked at this town council. In fact, he was the youngest council chief executive in the country. And one day, after hearing Rob Whitaker speak at our church weekend at Sizewell about dedica dedicating a year of your life to study the Bible, he handed in his notice on his job. He sold his prized Rolls-Royce car that he had loved and always had wanted to own to help fund his way through Bible school. From a prestigious, well-paid role to selling a prized possession and funding himself at Bible school. Russell went, went on to do further study and is now at St. James's Anglican Church in Rowledge as a vicar. And you see, to follow Jesus came at a cost, a cost to his job, to his standard of living, to his finances. But he discovered that the cost was nothing compared to the fulfilment that he now has in serving Jesus and the people of Rowledge. You see, to follow Jesus doesn't mean everyone has to go to Bible school and becoming a vicar. No, nor does it mean giving up everything. It means being prepared to give up control and allow Jesus to lead our lives, which will involve sacrifice. 
For some, that might be a very specific calling. For others, it will just be living out the general will of God for us to love sacrificially, you know, to be generous with our time and our gifts and our money, to be humble in our approach to others and to trust him and listen to his leading when it comes to making decisions in life. You know, these are non-negotiables when it comes to following Jesus. And maybe some of us are not alive in our faith because we've got too comfortable, because there's no cost to us. And maybe we should look again at the life that Jesus calls us to, to be a servant, to forgive those who've hurt us, to give a stretching percentage of our earnings to God and his work. Luke carries on. Jesus carries on walking and he speaks to someone in the group. And Luke writes this. He says, he said to another person, come, follow me. And the man agreed, but said, Lord, let me first return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. <sighs> it's a reasonable response uh, or request that this man makes. And Jesus is so dismissive. What the heck's going on? Well, to our Western understanding, it sounds like the man's dad has died and he wants to go and bury him. And Jesus is saying, no, leave it. Others can do it. But actually, that's not what the man is saying. He's saying this. Yes, I'll follow you, Jesus, but let me wait until my dad dies. In a few years time, when I'm free of family responsibilities, then I'll follow you. In other words, I'll follow you, Jesus, when it's more convenient. You know, in my time frame, uh, not yours, thanks. And one of the marked responses from the close disciples was their willingness to follow Jesus immediately. You know, Andrew and Peter, James and John left their nets immediately and followed Jesus. No distraction, no delay. Matthew, the tax collector, immediately left his booth to follow Jesus. It was all out following, nothing half-hearted or delayed. So how willing are you to drop everything and follow Jesus and his promptings? You know, to love a work colleague by staying on after work to support them in what they're doing, to buy a drink and listen to a homeless person's story, to babysit so that a parent or parents can have a breather and go out for a meal or do something relaxing, to give a gift to someone just to bless them or because you sense that they have a need, or to humbly apologise in order to restore a relationship. You know, often it's not convenient to follow Jesus, to follow what he says. It requires a commitment, a decision to act rather than delay and wait till later. You know, we might have missed the opportunity if we do that. So to follow Jesus means to follow him now, to see you see, it's tough. There's a cost involved in following Jesus. No pain, no gain in our relationship with him. And then there's this third conversation that takes place that's just as tough. And Luke records this. He says, another said, yes, Lord, I'll follow you. But first, let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus isn't promoting himself very well here, is he? He seems to be pushing back again on such a reasonable request just to say goodbye to the family. But once again, culturally, this is different to how we read it. It's less about saying goodbye as much as taking his leave of, in other words, getting permission from his family. The family setup had much more weight than it does for us today. In a sense, it was much more controlling. I mean, take my two son-in-laws. 
you know, they wanted to marry my daughters. And so Sam, he took me out for lunch and asked by permission to marry Alice. Now, he knew me well. He would win me with food. <laughs> and Theo told me that he was going to propose to Rachel. Now, both were respectful in speaking to me. Sam, with the traditional approach of asking, and Theo, the more modern approach of letting me know. But why would they need to speak to me anyway? And why exclude Sarah? You see, Alice and Rachel not my property. I don't own them. But culturally, this is often what still happens. So in Jesus' day, the family had a huge influence on what others could and couldn't do. Basically, the guy was wanting to go back home and get permission to follow Jesus. And Jesus is saying, don't look back, look forward. You don't need permission from your family. To follow me means to Put me over everything, your family, your work, your finances, your relationship, your conduct, your language. Now, we don't know if any of these three people continue to follow Jesus or not. That wasn't the point of Luke and his recording this. What he was highlighting was that before following Jesus, they had to count the cost. So were they going to choose comfort and convenience or count the cost and be countercultural. Which one would they choose? Or more importantly, which one will you and I choose? You see, Jesus isn't calling us to just believe in him, to acknowledge his existence and to pray when we get into trouble. He's calling us to follow him, to be all in, to set aside comfort and convenience and choose to count the cost and live counterculturally by acting on what he says. And you know what? The cost for many of us in following Jesus is so small compared to the incredible cost that some face. Sam and Katie are a couple from The Forge who now work out in Africa amongst Muslim communities. Last autumn, they asked us to pray for a Muslim mother who had come to faith in Jesus. And when her family found out, they cursed and rejected her. They cut her off completely and then death threats were made over her life. They tried to take her children away and basically kidnapped them. One, one did manage to escape and walked 45 miles to try and get back with mum before being recaptured and taken again. Three of her children have now become followers of Jesus, but at huge cost. Her son was stabbed because of his faith in Jesus. And yet incredibly, their faith in Jesus is strong and growing because they've counted the cost. So no permission was asked for or given by the family for mum to follow Jesus, but she chose to anyway. And I'm glad to say that she's now safe and living in a new area in another Christian community who are nurturing her faith and caring for her. You see, following Jesus isn't about comfort and convenience. It's costly. It's countercultural. It's about a conviction that Jesus is who he claimed to be, that he really did die for our sins and then rise again three days later. It's about trusting him with our lives and allowing him to lead us because that's why we follow, because he's leading us, not us. And the rewards are incredible. An intimate relationship with our heavenly father, our failures and mess ups forgiven, our, our lives made whole, eternal life that starts now and goes on forever. A place in heaven where everything that's been wrong is put right. And all that's possible because Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem and did everything needed for us to live in that reward. And it cost him his life.
So as we travel on our road trip in life, Jesus says, come follow me. Let me lead you. Let me direct your life. But remember, if you say yes, not only are all the benefits of life with me available to you, but it also comes at a cost, a cost to your comfort and convenience, and it requires you to trust me completely. So will you count the cost and will you follow me, Jesus says. And some of you watching today, you'll know the cost of following Jesus because it's caused family tension, difficulties at work. You struggle to change your lifestyle in order to live Jesus' way. And you know the pain of rejection and have chosen to give up things that you've loved. For some of you, God hasn't made life easier through following Jesus. It's definitely been harder. So I just want to applaud you for your commitment in following Jesus, for counting the cost and for not giving up. Listen, God is so proud of you. So don't lose heart, but know that he loves you, that he's with you, that he's proud of you and will give you the courage and strength to keep going. You see, following Jesus and putting Jesus over everything is really the best way to live our lives. Why? Because ultimately that's what Jesus is. He is over everything. And he says, come, follow me. And the question is, will we? That's all for this week. Thanks once again for joining us. We'd love to keep the conversation going, so why not check out Forge Church UK on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram? Or go online at forgechurch.com where you can watch other content, find a next step, give financially, or see any details of what's currently going on in and around the Forge. We're looking forward to you joining us next time.